0: Welcome back everyone to a really cool episode of the e-commerce Vibe File. I met Rieko in the Shopify Plus community group and she did a post about uh, selling into Japan, which I thought was really interesting because I know from previous experience, just uh, A, how difficult it is to go into another country, but Japan in particular has just a lot of language nuances and cultural nuances that really are uh, unique so with with that said I'll let uh, Rieko introduce herself some experience at Shopify and what you are doing now in the Shopify ecosystem and then let's chat about just launching a brand into Japan when when it's a good idea what maybe to avoid and and yeah I'll let you uh take it from here.
1: Great thank you Lucas um my name is Rieko and a bit of uh, background about me is I launched Shopify in Japan back in 2017 and back then if you remember um, the dashboards weren't localized into different languages um, so obviously in Japan everything was still in English. Uh, we did have a Japanese website but the Japanese were a bit broken so uh, we basically had nothing and started it from ground up. So I completely can empathize and appreciate all the struggles that a lot of the brands face when they enter Japan because it is like a whole new world out here. So um, I just wanted to give some insight into what to do and what not to do for brands who are considering expanding their businesses into Japan.
0: Oh, thank you. And I think that just when you said that, imagine being an entrepreneur or working at a company and maybe you speak a little bit of english as a second language but you're trying to navigate a software that you've never used while everything's in another language i like can just imagine how how tough that would be before it was uh localized alone any uh, any nuances and i also know that Shopify's very good about uh, being ac- uh, accessible a lot of people probably don't know this but part of the whole Polaris purple colors were that um, this is much more accessible if you're any sort of colorblind or visually impaired it's just is nat- naturally very nice um, one of my favorite things is that if you don't have a joke you better have a fact and if you are going retail and putting your products on shelves Purple is actually the most distinguishable color from a distance. So uh, there are a lot of benefits to using purple in your your marketing that are very tactical there as well. But we're not talking about color palettes here for retail sales. We're talking about expanding online, offline, brick and mortar retail into Japan. So let's start with, uh, when should you consider uh, going into the Japanese market?
1: Honestly, I don't necessarily think there's a right time for it um depending on how you think you have enough capital to invest into japan would be probably the right time if we can call it that mm-hmm.
0: yeah i know that makes makes sense because really you you would be essentially starting a, a new a new business with Japan. Mm-hmm. it's not like the same customer support agent can handle both both uh usa or and japan. Inquiries, the emails are going to be totally different. The website's going to look totally different as well. um So I think that, that makes a lot of sense. But what about from um, just the e-commerce landscape in Japan as well compared to North America? And this question is drastically different than it would have been six months ago because okay. e-commerce, e-commerce doubled in the last six months. But just relative to the U.S., uh, let's just say. Twenty percent um, e-commerce adoption rate in the U.S. We're all pretty familiar with it. What's do you know what that adoption rate looks like in Japan? What does the e-commerce landscape look like in Japan versus in in North America or um, English English speaking countries uh, where most of the listeners on the podcast are from?
1: Right. So the adoption rate isn't as high as um, as North America mm-hmm. and realistically, looking at GDP and all the other elements, uh, Japan's adoption rate in terms of e-commerce should be around the same as U.S. Um, That has not happened yet because typically um, what happens in America 10 years later happens in Japan. That has been the trend up until COVID-19. So this has obviously changed a lot of the narratives that were adopted before, which was like, you know, 10 years gap, but now Mm -hmm. um, that has, is changing quite rapidly. So a lot of the, you know, the numbers of e-commerce stores have spiked Mm -hmm. a lot, um, not just with Shopify, but with um, throughout other platforms as well. So it is changing.
0: Yeah. Very yeah. Quickly. It is. It's by the time people listen to this, it's it's going to be antiquated all already, um, which is crazy. Just how fast everything's moving. Um, so let's get into the and potatoes of it. What should people, or, or or businesses, or entrepreneurs know before expanding into Japan, and what what can they expect once they do?
1: Mm-hmm. So one of the first things that I usually talk to my clients about is to be mindful of your mindset. Mm -hmm. Um, Sounds very cliche when I say it, but this is actually very, very important. So whatever worked in North America or any other English-speaking countries, expect that won't work in Japan. Nothing will, right? So there's no copy-pasting of strategies. There's no copy-pasting of anything. Like nothing just won't work. (laughs)
0: which as you say that i'm thinking like no no no, but like this always works is when they ban the cart let's give them 10 off it it works every time but it's just to say like the moment that i think of something nope can't can't do that It, it won't work so that's really interesting that the same strategies won't work when you move over to to japan um and sorry i cut you off there but so I'll uh, I'll let you finish it for the next question. But as as you keep saying things, I'm thinking of how would I deal with this, this problem?
1: Mm, I think, you know, 10% off emails may see a bit of success, but there are so many other elements that needs to come before the 10% off, right? Like mm-hmm. um, some of the things that I wrote on the article I published was, you know, First of all, like when you're launching your business into Japan, this may be e-commerce or other services um, like third-party apps like George's. Um, some of the things that you really have to think about is to look at everything from a trust perspective. And what that means is every business in Japan is built on trust. And I know that you may be thinking this is the same across the world, and it is true. But in Japan, that that level of trust takes one step further. So when I mentioned localize, not translate, is when a Japanese person looks at a website, picks up on a grammatical error, they will bounce, they will leave, they will never come back. And this is the thing where when you lose a Japanese customer, expect that they'll never come back to you. So you have to be extra cautious into building that trust because trust is what's going to bring customers back, right? And that goes from your, your e-commerce store, your website, to all the information, to customer support, to shipping, to payments, to basically everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. That's... Um even to to grammatical error which um i don't know if it's uh so much of a secret but a a dirty little fact that a lot of times in north america grammatically incorrect websites or less than than perfect websites end up doing better because there's there's more trust there like if you look at um a lot of the stores that came online during covid they're not caught they weren't Edited by copywriters, it may have even been created from their phone. Where it's a photo, here's a quick description of it. It's good enough for for that. So that's really um, that's really interesting. And then what about how Japan differs from other Asian countries in terms of consumer behavior? Um, if you maybe had success selling in other various region, regions of Asia, how does Japan differ from from some of the other the other cultures?
1: Right, I, I can't necessarily speak for all the Asian regions, but um, the trend that I understand is a lot of the regions outside of Japan they are quite used to adopting new products, right? Mm-hmm. So they're not necessarily as risk-averse as Japan. Um, so when you're launching your product, if you do the marketing rate, then you might be able to gain some traction and
0: mm-hmm. make
1: some sales, right? But in Japan, that's not necessarily the case. So when you have the initial launch, expect that your products may not sell for a good amount of time because you're going to have to build that sense of, you know, trust, right? And then later on, once once a customer brought up uh, purchases your product then you would see a very stable retention rate so japan is great for retention rate when a customer thinks that your brand is trustworthy they would stick with you like right or die like they would stick with you so when you this is very typical in Japanese businesses is that Mm -hmm. it's very difficult to gain that initial traction but once you have that your retention is going to look very healthy so you don't have to really worry about retention funnel Mm -hmm. what you really need to worry about is you know lead generation funnel
0: yeah and And I just
1: that's quite different
0: I really see what you mean of what work didn't won't work where it's hey uh by now we've got like you just you can't run those obstacle traffic it's just really nurturing to build that trust without a sale through um any number of ways so that's really interesting that it's and it's funny because i was thinking about this earlier today um in a lesser version where if you buy a product once from a website you're probably not going to spend everything there like let's just say ikea Your first purchase from IKEA might be a nightstand or something else. You're probably not going to buy a whole kitchen or bathroom from them. But once you have that good first opportunity and you have a little bit of skin in the game as a customer, you spend a little little bit of money, you'll be more likely to make that big purchase. But if that little twelve dollar side table from Ikea isn't isn't very isn't good quality, it's going to really make you think about the quality of your kitchen cabinets or whatever it happens to be, but just at a much more um, exemplified level to get that that for sale where it feels like um if i if i heard correctly where customers just don't have that trust right away to to risk a bad first experience whereas here we um, north america we might be a little bit more liberal or open to mm-hmm. to spending a number of of, of dollars or, or currency on on something and then if it doesn't work it's fine i have no brand loyalty i'll go somewhere else because the same product was was on sale okay. so that brings up um the two questions the first question is what how can brands build that trust it would be very easy for me to cop out and say through offering exceptional customer support but it sounds like once you you have that for sale that that doesn't necessarily um it doesn't have as big as an impact as, as it would here so how can brands build up that that trust for to get that for sale
1: so building trust really um there's no cookie cutter sort of strategy but some of the things that will help is to have a properly localized store that's first thing that you'll have to do. And it's not just about, you know, translating English into Japanese, right? There are a lot of cultural nuances
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um, that you really do have to consider. And there are different like three different polite forms in Japan. And so you have to like decipher which one you're going to use for your website. Polite forms. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you do have to have that language uh properly sort of written down on your website. Right, and then um, another thing is customer support. Now mm-hmm. in Japan, there's a really famous saying called um, "customer is king." Mm-hmm. Uh, what that means is, you know, you really have to do everything above and beyond for your customer satisfaction, and so that's why a lot of you know the visitors come to Japan and they say, "Oh, customer service is amazing," um, but that's like the level of amazing is yeah. a norm for us here. So when you put that into e-commerce, you do have to have a. I. I say this uh, with a lot of respect for people who do speak Japanese, because mm-hmm. I think that's like fantastic. Um, but you, you do have to have a mm-hmm. customer support representative who understand the culture of Japan and the language perfectly. Um, mm-hmm. Because when a customer reaches out to you and somebody who may not be a Japanese native responds back, the likelihood of bounce rate going up would increase. Yeah. Right. So that's another thing. Um, oh, wow. And logistics and shipping um, is also very important. In Japan, a lot of the customers can actually choose when they want the products to be delivered, when and what time. Oh, wow.
0: And how accurate is that? Because... At least here in Toronto, if uh, Rogers Telecommunications or the, the cable company says they'll be here between a certain window, gun to my head, if they show up during that window, tell my family I love them, because, <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> I, I don't think it does anything. I think it's just rolling a dice.
1: <laughs> right. No, I've, I've been there. Actually, I spent 10 years in Australia, so I know what that's like. <laughs> but, um, you know, in Japan, it's actually very accurate. They will come in that window of time. Um, and, you know, that's the the level of expectations that everybody has here, right? And if they're not home, say if you say, um, I want this parcel delivered tomorrow at 2. And if you're not home, then you can um, log on to um, any shipping services that you're using mm-hmm. and then ask them to re-deliver the package again. Wow. Sometimes even on the same day at night and they will be there with wow. the parcel. Mm-hmm. Wow. So uh, it's it's a very sophisticated service that, you know, logistics and shipping do offer here. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's something that, you know, when you're launching your business here, whether if you're going to have a warehouse based outside of Japan or within Japan, you do have to keep um, the shipping expectations in mind, or otherwise it'll end up in a bad review. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, and then it'll be downhill from there. So,
0: yeah. And it's so funny that um, because one of our ethos at gorgeous is is to help turn customer support into a profit generator and not just be uh, something that's traditionally looked at as as a cost center. And um, I, I'm making up the number, uh, and uh, it, it's so hard to measure. But there was a thing that said a negative review has a one to five thousand dollar negative impact on your business. It was more so for um, local businesses, but but the stat still remains true. A bunch of negative reviews is not going to help you increase your sales. And one of the easiest ways to to prevent that is just by managing the expectations. If your package is going to be delayed, being proactive and saying, Hey, we're really sorry. Uh, there was a big truck fire on the highway. We're not going to be able to make it. Would you like to choose another time rather than surprising a customer with disappointments? I think that that's um, just such a good point about, that uh, the focus on that craft of customer service because it, it really is is a craft at, at the level it is in Japan to not just have um to not just have good customer experience but to to keep that um uh, I can't remember what you how you refer to it but the the repeat funnel or the repurchase funnel um mm-hmm intact as a, a true revenue stream especially when you work so much harder to get that first purchase you almost can't afford not to offer exceptional customer uh support otherwise it's like having a big launch party and no no product to sell you're just going to spend all your money and you might as well just just pour it in a, a barrel with some gasoline and light it on fire because you're just you're you're burning your money and not building a sustainable business at that point you have a point there <laughs> <laughs> okay i mean maybe a little bit more extreme but you're going to spend all this time and effort to get that first purchase and not nurture and take care of that customer mm. what's what's the point so um, yeah
1: exactly exactly uh,
0: well, Rego, I really appreciate you uh, making the time and being able to find a time that that works. Um, where can people find you? What are, what are you offering now? What, what would you like to promote and be as absolutely shameless as possible uh, here? There, there's no need to, to be shy. If you have an offer, go ahead, plug it. Um, let, let, uh, let all the listeners know.
1: Great. Um, You can find me on my website, which is cc. It mm-hmm. might be really hard to pronounce. You might not know the spelling. So yeah. um, hopefully you can share that later. Um, and there are a couple of other elements, you know, when you're launching your business into Japan, which can be very uh, confusing, uh, like payments. It's endless. It's literally endless. That's what people sort of say about payments in Japan. So um, if you have any questions, uh, feel free to reach out. And I do have one thing that I would like you to keep in mind before you reach out to me is that I work exclusively with Shopify Plus merchants, mm-hmm. um, with an exception that your GMV might be, you know, on the on the plus side of, of the e-commerce store. So, uh, that's one thing to keep in mind. So
0: either be on Plus or being pitched Plus by the Shopify sales team before, before contacting you. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Which makes sense. Yeah, and the, and, yeah, and Kimberly,
0: you should be there anyway before thinking about launching into Japan, like, like to go full circle. It's, if you're doing $800,000 a year in revenue, you focus on growing your, your current domestic market. You don't need to look at going into another market with in, incredibly different... Um, cultural cultural nuances for for your business it goes back mm-hmm. to that, that oil barrel we discussed a few minutes ago
1: yeah exactly you really do need to invest quite a sum i would uh, suspect when you're launching your business into japan it depends on how much you want to uh, be localized but you do really need some amount of cash before you do so so mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. All right, Hope. I, I really appreciate the time. Thanks so much for coming on and to, to everyone listening. Uh,
1: always appreciate a five-star review. And don't forget to share this episode with your mother-in-law.